0: Welcome to Unboxing Queer History, a podcast from Gerber Hart Library and Archives. Gerber Hart is a library and archive with collections that focus on LGBTQ culture and history of Chicago and the Midwest. In this episode, we bring you a round table with the curators of the Gerber Hart exhibit titled, Q, Activisms at the Margins of Identity. When we spoke, it was still up, but scheduled to come down in the spring of 2022. The exhibit was a visual freefall into the queer 90s movement. Exhibitions a year to highlight collections, eras, histories, people, and places, all pertaining to different elements in queer history and life. Jen Dentel, who has watched many exhibits come up and down during her time as a volunteer, turned programs and social media coordinator, mentions the particular coalescence that the exhibition space at Gerberhart creates.
1: It's one of the few spaces I feel like where you see intergenerational, you know, we'll see people in their 80s and we'll see people in their teens. And I mean, it's just so, it's really wonderful to see people coming together and seeing all of this information together.
0: From the AIDS pandemic, and conservative queer activism at the time that focused on assimilation, a queer identity and movement was born. One that meant our gay identity is inherently political, anti-status quo, and aims to make visible the marginalized based on race, on gender, on sexuality and class in our country. It is the birth of the queer identity, and this exhibit tells that story. At Gerberhart, the exhibits are curated and created by the passion of volunteers, old and new. Each volunteer took a specific role of bringing this exhibit into being.
1: I think if you can build a space sort of sculpturally that can envelop somebody who's attending, that's a way to like really reframe and sort of disorient them from like the world that they're used to. It's, it's a way to like bring them into a space and say like you're here now this is the time period this is the vibe and sort of give them a taste of of what that was like so I, that was super fun i i love that we did that
0: james connolly i handled
1: a lot of the sort of project management of the group as one of the curators
0: his husband kurt connolly
1: i was the design lead on
0: the exhibit witsadusky
2: My specialty that I brought to the group for the exhibit was sort of just pulling things from collections, making sure that we had all of the artifacts that we needed to make you a visually exciting exhibit as it currently is.
0: Chase Aulis.
3: I took the lead on the writing aspects and also helped with a lot of the research.
0: And Veronica Rodriguez.
4: Learning the process of how the library and archive works and how this team comes together and works and so that was really exciting for me.
0: The process begins with Will Brandt, the director of Gerberhart, who has a long list of themes and topics for exhibits that will showcase particular archives. Gerberhart usually has two teams of volunteers working on different exhibits. Volunteers spend at least a year on curating and creating an exhibit. James explained their approach.
1: One of the really cool things I think we discovered is we've we've done a lot of chronological exhibits, but since the sort of start end date for you know, the, the, the big Q queer conversation in Chicago is a little bit amorphous. And, you know, there are parts of it that carry on even to now, even though the general time period was the 90s that we were looking at. We decided to kind of go with the sort of undefinable nature of queerness as it was presented in the 1990s. And so that way we thought about sort of rearranging how you experience an exhibit
0: James said it was Veronica who came up with the idea of, quote, queering the exhibit, which means how you move through it is nonlinear with pictures, 90s buttons, zines, clothes and photos and the placards all meant to be experienced by you on your terms, not dictated by the space.
1: You could sort of like go where your heart desires or where you find yourself most um, drawn.
0: Veronica and Kurt elaborate.
2: Just because we used so much visual material, I feel like we were very heavily reliant reliant on the sort of style of the 90s that we wanted to do. There was a lot of queer punk elements. There were an uh, entire queer zine wall. So it's a very visual experience and a testament to the querying of the exhibit. Yeah, whatever your eye gets drawn to visually is where you end up going. And we thought that was a pretty cool way to set up the exhibit.
4: We're gonna let people come in and experience it and whatever hits them first hits them. And there's not a right or wrong way to look through the exhibit. It's not like if you start at point over here that you're not gonna understand what, ha- what you're reading or looking at next to it. Cause it all blends and flows and bees off of each other.
5: Like we said, we, we came up against that idea of like, well, where does this start? This like queer rights movement, how do we tell this story from beginning to end. And then we, you know, realized, you know what? Yeah, it is queer to to, to tell this story like, however we want, you know, we can we can say fuck a timeline, who cares, right? <laughs> but that was like one of the main things that, that I was really excited about when we came to that realization, like, oh, this doesn't have to be like every other exhibit we've done. We can really take the reins and craft it into something that we want it to be,
0: yeah. Chase and Witt explain more on how they found their focus and what excited them.
3: So when it came to queer activism in the 90s, we looked at everything from art to music to politics, and those kinds of things really informed the shape of how the exhibit comes to be.
2: And I think one thing that was really important to us, so the, the theme that Will gave us for this particular exhibit, Q., was just the 25th anniversary of the establishment of Queer Nation. Do something that revolves around Queer Nation. And so from that, we then got what is queerness in the 90s.
0: Queer Nation was the LGBTQ direct action group that sprung from ACT UP in response to the violence queers were experiencing. Their signature slogan, we're here, we're queer, get used to it with the sole aim of radical in your face visibility that being queer was more than a sexual orientation but a politic intended to change the status quo
2: we talked about the queer punk movement we talked about the lesbian avengers which were more you know radical side of queer movements and then queer nation itself although it did have you know across the the country it had different geographic groups the chicago based queer nation was actually fairly inclusive. It was pretty much established on the west side of, of Chicago. And yeah, it was, it was a more radical voice that stemmed out of ACT UP. Originally, the people that established the first queer nation in New York City were a radical subset of ACT UP. You know, that's sort of where our storytelling came from. We, and we took the metamorphosis of queer nation and applied it to a bunch of different groups that sprang up during the 90s to, you know, give voices to more radicalized queers.
0: Something about this exhibit that's particularly incredible is its focus. It's not on a too distant history. Because of this, curators could bring in figures of the movement for reference, interviews, and input to broaden the scope and tell a more in-depth story inside the exhibit itself. Veronica details talking to Robert Castillo, a core member of Queer Nation Chicago and other activist groups at the time.
4: Being able to actually talk to people who experienced this very recent history and then see the actual stuff that was important enough to them to hang on to for all these years. Having conversations with people like Robert Castillo and the founders of the Homo Core Movement in Chicago and others, that also shaped what direction we were going to go with, what we, angles we were going to focus on, and it helped shape the idea of what is it that we take away from this era or these movements that we want to highlight
0: they also got in touch with members of the homocore movement, also known as Queercore, a radical gay punk community and music genre of the 1990s, distinguished by its discontent with a more mainstream goal of an assimilated gay identity.
1: I heard what you said. I'm not stupid, you know. What do you take me for? Chase acted as our lead contact for the members of the Homo core movement. And like Veronica was saying, you know, this incredible opportunity to connect one on one and directly with people who are part of that movement is, is specific and and kind of rare to this exhibit in a way that we haven't been able to achieve in our past exhibits.
3: My contact at Homo Core Chicago, Joanna, she Joanna Brown, she was really just incredible to talk to. She was one of the founding members of HomoCore, so she was just full of knowledge and history about that whole time and like had so many photos that she shared with us and old newsletters and posters and those really formed a lot of the core of that section of the exhibit.
0: And in this section of the exhibit, a full on replica of a queer punk club's bathroom stall. Joanna's collection and stickers from Robert Castillo all used to replicate this piece of history in the form of a bathroom stall.
3: It was, it was just really great to, for her to contribute to those materials to us.
2: It just ended up going up and looking pretty cool and was a really awesome way to to really highlight a lot of the just like gritty, homemade, queer visuals and materials that you would see in a typical bathroom stall during one of those events.
1: I just remember like in the 90s and early 2000s like going to like hardcore shows and like DIY spaces in people's basements and like the punk bars that you'd go to. And every like bathroom stall is just like Full of graffiti and it's full of flyers and post ups and stuff. And, you know, that's what we did in the space. And there's always, there was always some political commentary.
0: And what is an exhibit on queer 90s culture without zines? Zines, the quintessential DIY publication. Photocopied, personally made publications that could be comprised of anything your little heart desires. Collage, essays, poetry, drawings, how-tos, erotica, calls to action, educational and informational, wild and free, and anything in between. Can you tell I love zines?
5: One of my favorite ones is called fertile Latoya Jackson, which is, I guess, like an art fashion erotica sort of, sort of zine. It's put out by uh, Vaginal Cream Davis, who is a very prominent figure in the drag queer core scene. She did a lot of, a lot of wild zines and wild performances. Uh, That, for me, is one of the one of the highlights
2: i think it would also be a mistake to not mention the fact that you know our sort of foundational research for this this exhibit was this one leaflet that was distributed in new york city by members of of unnamed queer nation it was a radical leaflet published by anonymous queers and it was titled loosely queers read this And we utilized a lot of the text from that document and just plastered it all over the exhibit and also used it in our introductory paragraph. Just took a lot of inspiration from the really didn't mince words, radical text from that document.
0: Along with zines, buttons, stickers, pictures and the writing to give the historical context, the exhibit also includes writing on the walls, a lot of writing on the walls. Sharpie to drywall everywhere.
2: I'm just picturing the top of, of, of the exhibit, like right above the queue when you walk in. And I think it just says, I hate straights, which is a direct quote from uh, Queers Read This. Lots of really spicy, great texts in that.
0: Witt put it to the rest of the curators to shout out their favorite element on the walls.
2: And if anybody else remembers their favorite text, I feel like that'd be a great thing to, to shout out right now.
3: My favorite was the one when you exit the exhibit it says next time we march naked and it just to me spoke everything about like the movement is like yeah let's just go out there show it all let's just do it all do what we want
2: fuck without fear was another one loved that one too
1: well and I even love like you know so in our logo design we used a giant Q, right that was like kind of the, the big thing that you see when you walk into the space and we have some Text from the opening of Queers Read This, sort of behind it. And I think it's in pink, right? And it's sort of like the preamble to this manifesto. But, you know, in, in one of the lines, it says, like, you as a queer person, by all rights, should be dead. And, and I love how confrontational it is. It is a call on the heteronormative gays and lesbians primarily cisgendered and white, that we're finding foothold and purchase and some political power, you know, at that point in the 90s. And we're not using it to advocate for queers of color, for the trans community, for minor- other minoritized communities, and really sort of ignoring that. You know, I mean, that even goes into our conversations in the exhibit about HRC, right? They were pushing for gay rights, not Queer LGBTQIA plus rights. You know, there were very specific boundaries on what they believed was worth fighting for in the mainstream. And so I think that's one of the empowering and beautiful things about this exhibit and about this time period and that movement is that they just said, like, fuck that. You know, and this pamphlet is all about that. They just call everyone out to the table and drag them, and it's it's great because if you've ever felt Othered within this community, you see yourself represented in that pamphlet in some kind of
4: way. I think one of the most impactful things the first time reading the pamphlet and just seeing the exhibit all as it came together was that it, it really is so confrontational, like James was saying. And it's not just saying, you know, we are talking about the pe- groups of people who've been marginalized by mainstream society, it's like people who've been even marginalized within their marginalized communities like the queers of the queers. And so it just, it felt really amazing to see sort of like a lot of that pamphlet come to life on the walls. Like sometimes literally, because we did literally scrawl them all over the place. But just the, the feeling and the concept of there's no going back into the shadows. There's no hiding. We're out here, possibly naked. You're gonna have to deal with it.
1: <laughs> well, and how empowering. I remember something Veronica was telling me about the lesbian avengers like setting fire outside <laughs> in relation to just this refusal to be queer witches or something like that they would
2: the lesbian avengers ate fire symbolically uh, to say the fire will not consume us we take it and make it our own is the the quote oh, so fucking ladies cool. and ladies gentlemen and
6: gentlemen
1: How do you not, how are you not inspired by that? You know, how do you not hear people doing that? And you're just like, yes, yes, everything.
0: <laughs> I imagine that an exhibit like this brings people out of the woodwork, folks who come and who were around and involved in the queer scene and culture at the time. Seeing an exhibit like this must feel affirming and exciting. The response from the community has been really positive.
3: We've had a lot of really good feedback from from these folks, and uh, a lot of good feedback from people who have attended our virtual events too, which has been really fantastic. A lot of people sharing their own stories and how pieces of the exhibit really bring out uh, memories from them from that time period who are who are actually like in the activist circles of those days, which was really great.
0: The exhibit also is showing the power of collected materials, the importance of their legacy and inspiring folks to donate to Gerber Hart.
4: The fact that Robert Castillo is now also working on donating so many of his things is like the highest compliment. He trusted us not only to borrow and exhibit his belongings, but now is going further and trusting Gerber Hart to house them permanently. And so I feel like that was kind of also a big stamp of approval of, that we did showcase his life's work, honestly in a very respectful and understanding and open and honest kind of way. This exhibit and
0: their exhibitions in general draw in more visibility for Gerberhardt at large.
1: It gets a lot more attention to the Gerberhardt Library, which is really exciting. I mean, it is one of the best and most comprehensive repositories of you know LGBTQ history in the country. And a lot of people don't know we exist, and that just gives us an opportunity to share this history with more people. And hopefully, you know, the other thing is we've all advocated for a broader representation, right? You know, it's hard when you're an archive and you get what's donated to you and to be a more comprehensive repository of history. And so every time we do one of these things, it's an opportunity for outreach. So I, I think that that's been really fun and fulfilling.
0: The exhibit finished in the spring of 2022, but the items it features from the archives are available for visiting and exploring indefinitely. This exhibit highlights and remembers an era in our history that, to me, doesn't actually feel like it's in the past. When I visited this exhibit, I felt inspired and continuously called to action in this present moment. It's one of those experiences where you're reading history but it doesn't feel like history it feels like now queer activism still means what it did then and more
6: queer the word itself to me means investing in outsiderness and taking an active stance against systems of domination and violence and oppression wherever there is resistance to oppression there is a queer struggle happening
4: It's important to pay attention not just to the big mainstream issues of, like, gay marriage, but really recognize that there's ongoing struggles that young queer and trans folks are facing, um, especially Black and immigrant and uh, criminalized young folks.
6: My name is Benji Hart. I go by they, them pronouns. I'm an artist and organizer living in Chicago, and a lot of my work is centered around police and prison abolition.
4: Hey, my name is Debbie Southorn. I'm an organizer in Chicago, uh, supporting youth organizing to defund the police and invest in communities.
6: It's not just struggles that are ostensibly only about trans and queer community or identity, but struggles for demilitarization, struggles for police and prison abolition, struggles to protect the land, struggles to reinvest in housing and healthcare and all the things that we know disproportionately um, are denied trans and queer people.
4: The fights for having safe housing and for not being locked up and getting the resources they need to have thriving, awesome lives.
6: Ultimately, Wherever there is resistance to oppression, there is a trans and queer struggle happening, and trans and queer people are always the ones who make that connection the fastest and the fiercest.
0: Queer Nation was a foundational movement in the history of queer organizing that continues to inform our present. This exhibit and others at Gerberhart hold space for this kind of time travel, bringing the relevancy and the teachings of our history into what must be informing where we are now and where we need to go. Queer to this day still means looking at the margins of identity. And we still have work to do. A special thank you Sideski, Chase Allis, James and Kurt Connolly, and Veronica Rodriguez for curating this exhibit and participating in this episode. Also, big thanks to all the volunteers at Gerberhard who are responsible for the incredible exhibits. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Benji Hart and Debbie Southorn. Unboxing Queer History is co-created by me, Ari Mejia, Jen Dentel, and Aaron Bell. Theme music by Danny Robles. This episode was produced by me, Ari Mejia, with Hannah Weedy. Special thanks to Rails for making this podcast possible. Unboxing Queer History is funded by a Rails My Library Is grant. You can find this episode and others at GerberHeart.org and wherever you listen to podcasts.